0: This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war
1: room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco.
0: Dallas Cowboys select TD
1: Lamb. And now, your hosts, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Kyle Yeomans. There are 120 days until the NFL Draft, April 29th, 2021. We'll be here before you know it. But the Draft Show continues on here on Talking Cal, or excuse me, on the Draft Show presented uh, by Miller Light. Glad you're with us. And, well... The intro was Brian Bratis up at the beginning, as always, talking about, oh, they took him! One of my favorite clips ever, Brian. Thank you for giving that radio gold for C.D. Lamb <laughs> whenever they selected C.D. Lamb. He's also got the gold in terms of the, the polo he's got on. He's got that Miller Lite swag with the Draft Show logo with the, the, the background. Dave's rocking the varsity jacket. David Hellman with us, as always. And then we've got Bucky Brooks in the house coming from Cali on the West Coast, streaming in live. That's the kind of insight you get here on the draft show is the fact that you've got over 50 years combined between these three covering the NFL draft and no matter where they are in the world, they're still a part of the draft show. But, boys, how we doing uh, this week? There's been a lot that's changed since the last time we talked, Brian. I think the Cowboys went from what could have been the fourth overall pick. They're now sitting at 11 and a chance to still win the division. They're 3-1 and one since the draft show started, and I think that has to credit uh, what Derek Ingleton did in starting the draft show back up.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely, and you know that was one of those things when you you know you look at the order of the draft, and at one time you're the, you're sitting in the four hole and you're looking at this board in a completely different light, and then you put some wins together and you have a chance to win the division, and now you're sitting in somewhere near the middle of the board, and then if you win and get in, you're now moving down further. So, yeah, the the dry, the, the dynamics of how the scouts even look at it, you know, they're thinking, okay, we're evaluating these players. And now we're evaluating these players, and now we're evaluating these players. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a journey uh, throughout, but, uh, you know, good for the Cowboys, good for the fans, uh, the opportunity to play in the playoffs. And wherever they land in the draft order, you know, we'll be there to talk about it uh, every step of the
1: way. What do you think about this, Bucky? Because, I mean, even from the last time we talked, the Jets have won two straight games. And the, the Jaguars have locked up that top overall picks. The, it, it, things continuously change in the NFL, as I know we all have been aware of. But, I mean, even more so over the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I think what you see is the competitiveness of the league. And despite uh, what we on the outside talk about when it comes to draft picks and positioning, uh, players and coaches are trying to win each and every week, and we've seen that play out. And I think the excitement that is building in Dallas, obviously, it's about a team that appears to be playing its best football going down the stretch. And it's really a bit of a blessing in the skies because now the draft positioning will probably better align with what the needs are. And I don't think you will have some of those Tough conversations that were existing before when the Cowboys were positioned in the top five, and we were talking about quarterbacks and all that other stuff.
3: Dave, you agree with that? I am choosing to believe. No, I'm choosing to believe, Kyle. I'll tell you, this is our doing. Like you said, we are responsible for this. Uh, you know, the the players and coaches on the team looked at our site and they were like, "Holy crap! They're already talking about the draft. We got to do something about this." And lo and behold, yeah, I, honestly. It sounds, it sounds counterintuitive because, obviously, if you care about the draft, you want the best pick possible. And, you know, maybe maybe being in the top five could have presented you in a situation where you can trade down. But I feel way I, – I know people are going to say I'm blowing smoke, but, like, I feel way less stressed out about picking between 10 and 16 yeah. than I do I'm, – I'm serious, Brian. Who are you, you going to
0: pick with that top five pick? Who are you going to take? Oh, we'll find us somebody to pick. You know, yeah. We'll we'll find. You know what? Your quarterback situation hasn't resolved right, no. by any means. Stop. Well, you know. Stop it. Stop it. No, no. Co- it's not. It's not. And you know. And I, I know. I know. <laughs> people. And you know. You've. You know. Yeah. Bucky's right. This thing is now more in line. You could have taken one of those offensive linemen up there, but you know that that the quarterback was in play. You know that that the the tight end uh, who was a, a freak athlete. Was in play. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of directions you gone. I look at it as this way, though. I'm happy they're winning. I'm happy they're having an opportunity for the division title. But I'm also thinking about what could I have done picking at the top of every single round and maybe moving some yeah, things that's... around in order to to help my team. That that's the selfish scout in me thinking about: Am I closer to the Packers and the Saints and those people? Or do I need to get help to try and do that? And picking high in every one of those spots at least affords me that opportunity, I believe.
3: Hey, and those things those things are not mutually exclusive. Like, you can want the Cowboys to win and still be disappointed. You're absolutely right. Like, I'm not that disappointed losing on a top 10 pick. I'm very disappointed about not having pick 35, right. pick 36, or pick 65, like, those those picks at the top of the second, third, and fourth round, that's what gets me excited. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's exciting what the team is doing, but it's it's a little bit of a bummer to know that, you know, those picks are probably going to be more like 45, 46, Whoa, 75, that type just, of
0: thing. Just real quick, guys. I mean, we saw last week the Cowboys play the Eagles, and it looks like the Eagles have the same problems that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you look at their defense and the secondary mm-hmm. – and now you're thinking, well, Philadelphia's gonna be picking against uh, ahead of us all day. You know, and that's and that's you know, when you start you start thinking about, okay, and you could say about I guess all the teams, but especially a team within your division. You see bad secondary play there. What's the one thing the Cowboys are clearly gonna to have to address? They're secondary. Philadelphia could be just picking one player off every time, you know, on defense. And, you know, that's that's that that to me is what's stressful, Dave, when I have to uh, walk that minefield of my division opponents picking ahead of me, knowing that they've got just as many issues on defense as I do.
2: But the thing is, then, Brian, what you got to do is you got to scout the scouts. And how confident are you right. that they can pick – Mm. the right guys and so it's looking at them and saying okay they have a need like we have a need but their track record suggested they can't pick the right guy we're not going to be picking from maybe the same lot and so I think it's a situation where you probably feel better about the team winning because I think it was probably more important from a cultural standpoint Mm -hmm. that Mike McCarthy could fix the issues because if you lose the belief of the players in the locker room I don't really know what 2021 would have looked like if this team fell apart going down the stretch
1: And I think you look at Philadelphia with their loss, they fall to sixth and they jump to sixth rather in the draft. So they're going to be picking above you, like Brian said, throughout the rest of the draft. But outside of maybe those early later round picks like the 35, 36 slot and then maybe even in the third round, fourth round, so on side of the disappointment of not picking that high in each round, it's also the options that you have early on. You already have 10 picks. You could have had 13 or 14 if you wanted to trade out of the top five to try and land back right. to where you're ultimately going to be right here at this moment, but I kind of want to weld what both Brian and Dave were talking about a moment ago and what Bucky said in his opening statement, but with all the uncertainty right now of what Dallas, where they could be picking. I mean, they could lose this week and they're still going to be in the top 10, or you could win this week and not win the division. You're right in the middle of the teens, and then if you win the division, of course, you're 19 or up uh, in terms of the, the draft position. But what positions are out there that you feel most comfortable about, Bucky, in terms of drafting in the first round do you think there is a position that's out there that you feel more comfortable picking than others
2: uh i think offensive tackles i feel really comfortable picking them uh where the cowboys could be positioned anywhere from 11 to 19 or so um i think cornerbacks depending on what style corner you're looking for i think you probably could feel good about maybe making a run there I am really iffy on the pass rushers this year. Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of names that will be thrown out there, like Greg Rousseau from Miami or whatever. I just don't know. I don't feel as comfortable with those guys, but I do feel really good about offensive tackles, cornerbacks, and I would even throw tight ends, even though I think everyone in Dallas would lose their mind if they took another (laughs) offensive player, particularly a pass catcher. But, I mean, there is something to building strength on strength.
0: Brian? Yeah, I, I feel I agree with Bucky. You know, the more that I've dived into what's going on, you know, and, I, and I, I, I'll i be honest with you, I watched a kid last night from Wake Forest, this uh, Carlos Basham, the defensive end, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, okay, why is he a guy at the bottom, near the bottom of the board when we're talking about potential first round guys? And 6'4, 274, 275 pounds. And I'm thinking, whoa, why isn't he not up there? Because Bucky's right, these defensive ends. Man, there's so many questions about, and there's so many different body types, and there's so many levels of production. But you know, to me, it looks very strong with the with these offensive tackles. I think this quarterback group. We've kind of talked about him and what we think about them. Uh, I, I'm interested in these corners as well. I, you know, I, Bucky's right. Depending on what kind of guy uh, that you want at cornerback. You know you could you know I, I was watching the kid uh, from uh, from Georgia the other day and you know and I, I was just I was just kind of sitting there in my in my mind thinking like okay well you know this Tyson Campbell and I'm thinking okay he looks good as a press corner he's physical okay can he play in this style Are the Cowboys going to switch uh, their 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 scheme you know everybody's got a little bit different fit but man you got all those former NFL players, sons that are playing these positions at corner and the secondary and stuff, yeah. yep. sorting those guys out. It's going to be a group, and I think you're going to be able to choose the type of guy that you want that best fits your scheme. So I do love what I see at the cornerback spot. I don't like what I'm seeing at defensive end, and I haven't yet seen a defensive tackle that I'm really nope. in love with, to be honest with you. Hey, Brian, real quick,
3: just, just in case you aren't aware, Carlos Basham is the cousin of your buddy Terrell Basham, who you mm. loved so much a few you years go. ago,
0: there you go. And and then he he you. looks the part. He he physically when you, he's, he he placed that single digit that nine was eighteen last year, but. He looks the part, and, and you know. But man, it's always sorting out these defensive ends, and maybe with the Cowboys, maybe with the emergence of Randy Gregory, maybe you know, pair him with Lawrence. Maybe that's something that's not so much oppressing. We haven't seen Bradley and I yet. Maybe he yeah. comes in and, and plays well. But I feel better about what I'm seeing with these cornerbacks uh, uh, going forward here. If, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and that's the direction you want to go.
3: That's you took the words right out of my mouth, Brian, because that's that's what I was trying to say. I like I get it. You want to have a higher pick. But I feel personally, let's say the Cowboys pick between 10 and 19. I feel so much better about drafting Patrick Sertan, mm-hmm. uh Caleb Farley, JC Horn, who you mentioned is the son of Joe Horn. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I would maybe even I haven't watched him, full disclosure, but just knowing that Ohio State is DBU. I would throw Sean Wade in there as well as maybe a guy who you feel decent about in that range. Just knowing the caliber of cornerback that they are, that they typically put out, I feel way better about drafting any of those guys in that range uh, than than if they had been at five or six or something like that. And then I would just throw in Brian. I know you like. Lo- I know you love Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I went and I went back and looked at this. I I mean he he seems to be special. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be there. But if you are a Kyle Pitts fan, I don't think picking at 11 or 12 rules that possibility out. Only four tight ends have been taken in the top 10 in the last 20 years. Um, T.J. Hawkinson a few years ago. Um, you Eric know, Ebron. Eric Ebron. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bucky. Vernon Davis and uh, and. Because he's uh, Kel- a
0: North Carolina guy, that's why <laughs> I remembered it. <laughs>
3: there you go. There you go. And um, I believe the fourth one was Kellen Winslow, all the mm-hmm. way back in like 2004. Mm-hmm. So. It doesn't happen that often. So it's it's at least plausible to think Kyle Pitts could be there for you at like the 11th, 12th, or 13th pick. So I don't think it changes the topic of conversation all that much, to be honest with you.
0: If you want to hear me scream like when CeeDee Lamb got picked, I will give you an absolute another soundbite for your <laughs> uh, show next year if Kyle Pitts is the guy that's taken. I, oh, but they yeah, took I him. Point <laughs> day, oh, they took him. Yeah, I... I to your to your point though, I, you know I, I think there's maybe a couple. It may I think that, that Farley will be gone, but you're right. Sertan, those uh, Kendrick. I mean those guys are. You know, I think that's kind of in that group of that where you're talking about 11, 12, 13. That's if you hold that that spot. You could very well be picking 19 now, and we're looking at a whole different group of players there. I will yeah.
1: say Kyle Pitts will play his final collegiate football game at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington coming up tomorrow. So just so you know, Kyle Pitts is going to get an early tour of the place because Florida is playing Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if he's opted out yet or not. I haven't actually looked at that. But also, I was going to say, I think he's out. That's that's annoying. Take that point away then.
3: (laughs) But. All these guys are opting out, which I don't it necessarily
2: nice blame them. Uh, no, it's funny. So, now, here's the thing. Uh, Dave, your guy, Boogie Basham, is committed to go to the senior bowl. So, we mm-hmm. might get a chance to see him in the postseason. And we talk about the the cluster that we could have with all the pass rushes, whatever. It might be a chance for him to kind of separate himself from the others. 6'5",
1: 275 pounds. And I agree with what Brian was talking about in terms of looking the part. He- my goodness! I mean, he's a
0: freak. Oh, he's a total yeah. freak. Yeah, he, he he looks the part in that uniform. An old crusty scout guy mm-hmm. here. When he sees somebody look, and you know, when he's down in his stance, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I see <laughs> what's going on here." But yeah, uh, that uh, you know, that's I'm looking for those guys as you continue to fall down this draft board. And again, good for them. There's going to be players. It, it's a whole, it's a totally different look. Uh, you know, you got to evaluate all these guys. But now you start to say at 19, where's the possibilities? What direction? What corners? What linebackers? You know, this team needs help. They need defensive help, but, you know, again, that's that's my focus right now is to find which one of these guys is the best fit uh, for this football team.
1: Well, and that's a, another great point because there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and listening to our show throughout the offseason and rolling their eyes at the possibility of drafting an offensive player in the first round. But this was a question yeah. that I, I know Bucky or excuse me, Brian, you actually brought this up in our group message, but I, I want to know from an old crusty scout like yourself, like you said, that your words not mine, just want to throw that out there. But from somebody no, I'm, who's <laughs> I'm crusty. I'm crusty. from somebody who's been in in a room like that, is there such thing as a momentum draft? I mean last year we saw that the wide receivers were the position to be had and the Cowboys had the best one fall to them arguably the best one, followed him. And C.D. Lamb at 17, you ultimately ended up with a really nice draft that found defensive starters later on. But is that the same kind of mindset? Is there such thing as momentum whenever it comes to a war room and it comes to draft picks, even if they might not be your number one need at the time?
0: Oh, I absolutely believe in momentum in a draft. I feel like that there's times where teams have reached for players or they they went out a sequence of how they really saw a player and maybe their gut feeling on the board as they put a player up there there was a split vote in the room somebody had to make a decision that's our guy half the Scouts are hating it half the Scouts are loving it you know you want a consensus the best you can and I do I think the Cowboys had great momentum in their draft last year I mean and and they'll tell you about digs they had a first, you know they had grades on digs where if they got wiped out at 17 they could have taken him there mm-hmm. so all of a sudden you have CD Lamp oh, okay everybody's jacked about the pick now you make the next pick, it's Digs. Wow, we just got a player You know that we had a really high grade on. So I think that you could, you could get a little rhythm in a draft and it starts coming to you and, the, and the, the board appears a little bit clearer to you. So I absolutely believe in that. And I think that sometimes you could take a player and it throws off that rhythm of how you're picking and you're reaching and did we do the right thing?
2: Is there questions? I think the Cowboys were in great rhythm last year when they were drafting their board. You know, Brian, to piggyback on that point, I believe that's why you have to vet everything out. And we talk about the board. We have the horizontal board where guys are broken down by position, but then also the vertical board. And whether you have 125 or 150 prospects on that board, if you stay true to it and the grades are, like, consistent, I think what you do is you just pick it off as it comes. And so if you talk about Diggs having a first-round grade because maybe he was their 18th best prospect on the board, That is what you should do. You shouldn't go out of turn trying to pick a guy, and that's where you have to be really, really mindful of need because sometimes in reaching for that need, you end up taking a bad player, and two, three years later, we're having to go back and fish in the same pond because we really didn't get a guy that was worthy of being selected at that spot.
3: See, I will say that isn't isn't that, Bucky? I think that's exactly why I don't believe that momentum exists with all Mm. due respect to Brian because – this it all it resets every time you pick. Like every time you pick, you've got to wait for the other thirty-one teams to pick, and then it all resets. Like case in point, twenty sixteen. Everybody's high fiving about Zeke Elliott. It, like everybody's excited. I don't think there would anybody that was like too upset about passing on Ramsey. You get to the next round, and you get wiped out. They lost Kevin Dodd and Emmanuel Ogba like back to back right in front of them, and they they kind of had to scramble and. I think the Jalen pick worked out better than a lot of people thought, but it still probably wasn't what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, you got a lot of people that don't love Taco Charlton. That pick's not beloved across the board. But then the next day comes, and you have two really solid defensive backs fall to you. I mean, Jordan Lewis felt like a steal at the time. Again, not talking about the way their careers panned out, but the way the pick was received at the time and the thought process. You came out of Friday of that draft feeling really good about restocking your secondary even though a lot of people weren't in love with the first round pick. So I just think I think all of these picks are unique unto themselves because of all the circumstances that go. Well,
0: you into just it. mentioned you just mentioned the players that are probably not going to be here, but did you no. have them for two or three years? I'm just talking about the rhythm of the draft and the way, because like Bucky's right, there's sometimes teams will reach on players and it throws them off, and they're all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, I remember this in, in, a, in, a, in a draft with Bill Parcells when we we took Demarcus Ware. And like Parcells wanted Sean Merriman, and you know, and, and and we were adamant about where, where, where. And all of a sudden, it's like you know, we take, we take, uh, we take where Parcells is picked, but the momentum carried us to like, okay, let's focus on Marcus Spears, let's focus on the next guy. You know, we were we were working our way that. But it was the it was it was it was having that plan and executing the plan and the momentum going forward. Where you know Parcells was pissed, and we didn't care. You know we were focused on you know, we were focused on our guy. And then all of a sudden we drew Parcells back into the draft because oh wait Spears is there, and he's like you know, Jerry goes Brian tell me who's going to take defensive ends in front of us. I said Cincinnati Minnesota. You know those teams took two defensive ends, but they didn't take Spears. And then the, then the next – I mean, it, it just was – I believe in the, in the wave of that, the feeling of the room. That's the, that's the momentum I'm drawing from it. Yeah, you, it, the players are different. You're right. But the feeling you get is like, hey, we're nailing this thing. We're working. We're, we're working the board. We're working the phones. We're doing everything we can. And at the end of the day, you sit back and you look at your board and you go, damn, we had a good day. You know, that's, that's momentum to me.
2: Yeah, I I think, uh, Dave, what what Brian is really alluding to is there are certain years, and I think every general manager, every scout will tell you, some years, man, you really feel like you got it nailed in terms of your grades and what the players are and where you are in terms of draft position that you're saying, hey, we're sitting at 19. Here's the cluster of players that are going to be available to us. We have grades that justify these guys being taken at that spot. And when it falls that way, you're like, man, that's a great job of us knowing exactly what we wanted and having the guys graded Appropriately, And I think when you do that and you have those things lined up, you do walk away feeling like, okay, we got our guy. Now let's go and focus on the next guy. Here, where we are, we're 36. Here are the guys that are available in 36. And when that board opens up and you have two or three of your choices, that's when you have the momentum. I think what you're alluding to in terms of it not being there, there is something to that because the thing that is crippling is when you're looking at the board, you're two picks away and there's no one available that yep. you really feel good about at that spot. No one has graded guys that are at that level, but you know that you re- you resigned to taking someone because you have to take someone at that pick, and you can't necessarily trade out.
0: Yeah, I think that's a you know, and that's a fair point. The the thing, but momentum could also be restored by man. You could see ten picks before they get to you. You're like man they're they're taking our guys off one at a time here. Let's work these phones. Let's see, you know, Dallas made a Dallas made a blow the hatch move with Travis Frederick to go to 18 to 30. You know, they they left a second round pick basically on the table to get out of there. That to me is that's a panic. Momentum is finding a way to say, "Okay, we're in trouble here, boys. Let's let's see what we could get. If we could get a two out of this, let's go." You know, so I, I think there's there's certain levels of that, but you know, I, I just feel like though when, when when the room feels it, when the room feels it, and those tags are coming off the right way. That's the momentum that helps you in those three days uh, of, of drafting these players.
1: And hopefully there will be momentum in the draft coming up in April because there certainly was in 2020, and I think you could potentially see that again coming up. And depending, It doesn't matter where they are. It could be top ten. It could be late teens. The Cowboys could find a, a momentum and find that rhythm with the scouting department. We saw it last year when they were picking at 17. When we come back, though, here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show, it's time for some Twitter on the 20, how does this draft class compare to last year's, and is it uh, uh, head and shoulders below the 2020 class? We'll talk about it next when we come back.
4: There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single, unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team.
1: Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys.
2: Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm,
0: and stop using candles to see at
2: night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide.
3: Well, candles
2: are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a
1: new candle please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G
3: requires compatible plan may not be in your area. See att.com/5g for you for details.
1: This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Second segment here of the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Glad you're all with us on DallasCowboys.com, streaming coast to coast and around the world. It's episode five of the 2021 draft show, and we're going to talk about that 2021 draft class. Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, we've got Bucky Brooks, I'm Kyle Yeomans, and guys, it's time now for some Twitter on the 20.
0: Twitter on the 20
1: little delayed, but we got it. There we go, Chris Beam, putting in work back there in the back. He's got a lot of buttons to push throughout the day. Uh, Let's start things (laughs) off with Matt Johnson, and Matt Johnson comes out, and he says, who are you looking to snag? He was a bad
0: player for the Cowboys. I was going to say, the former Cowboys, he was a bad player. That was a bad bad
1: pick. (laughs) I don't think that was a bad pick. That's no momentum. No (laughs) momentum on that pick. The unicorn himself. Oh, Matt Johnson. I do, I do not know if that was him, and if it is, we apologize, unfortunately. But were you looking to snag at pick 9 it's through true. 11 if Dallas does not make the playoffs? And it, who are you looking to take if it's 19 through 24, if they do make the playoffs? And how much of a gap is there between picks 9 through 11 or 19 through 24? And we'll start with Bucky on this one.
2: You know, it's funny because uh, I think just given the issues at cornerback, I think you have to take a cornerback if it's available because I, I think the coverage can really impact the way the Cowboys play. Um, we've, we just went through the list of names. Caleb Farley is going to be in conversation. I think J.C. Horn would be in conversation. Pastor Tan could potentially be a guy that we talk about. A lot of it really, though, depends on what happens with the coaching staff afterwards. If Mike Lowden is retained, mm-hmm. Then that's a different style cornerback that we're looking at. We're looking at someone who can play like Trayvon Diggs, who is comfortable playing off, who has vision and can make breaks and make plays and those things. And so, and feeling great about the cornerback class in terms of what could be available where the Cowboys pick, I am fine. I just think it's a matter of who is the defensive coordinator and what do they want going forward to play that position.
0: Dave. Yeah, I agree oh. with Bucky completely there. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm go sorry. for go it. Ahead. Go no, ahead, go Brian. for it, Brian. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with. Yeah, I agree with Bucky there. You know, and I, and I, we need to. If you're the Cowboys, you need to determine does Mike Nolan stay. I think that makes a lot of difference there. I I, I do think like, you know, one of the guys I really like is Asante Samuel's son. I I, mm-hmm. I think he's a, you know, he's at a Florida State. The thing about him is he's short, you know. But man, the feet. The ability to stay with guys. You know, Clemson went after him a little bit. He's going to compete. You know, but I, I think he's got all the skills. He, he's just short. You know, Sean Wade is a guy that you kind of watch him at Ohio State. He plays in the slot, he plays outside. He doesn't always start, he's not always on the field. You know, there, there's going to be some questions. You're going to want to take the guy that absolutely, you know, and, and, and Horn at South Carolina makes a lot of sense for me. I just think there's, you know, there's there's going to be levels of guys that you're kind of really like saying, okay, what can they do? What is their skill level? You know, how will they play in our scheme? The names are going to be there. I'll I'll give you an example too of uh, I, I absolutely am, am in love with the linebacker from uh, from uh, Missouri, uh, Nick, Nick Bolton. Bolton. Okay, yes. Nick Bolton. Yeah, Nick Bolton's a he's a he's a six foot guy. You know, but you watch him and he makes just as many plays. I mean, when you watch him play, he makes just as many plays as Michael Parsons does. It's mm-hmm. just they're physically look different. But that's the kind of guy with you know with with Bolton, you know, will if they look at a linebacker, could he be that guy that's a, a shorter guy, but man he's super super productive and you know that's probably the the types of players you're looking at right there uh the ones that bucky and i have mentioned to you
3: not surprisingly i think it could be i I think it could be eerily similar to the conversation that we had last year and it, it it's so early to be trying to peg names specifically but you know the cowboys obviously they got super lucky with the CD lamb situation. If they hadn't drafted lamb, now you're talking about maybe taking Trayvon Diggs, who they got in the second round. Obviously, Caleb on chase on is the other guy. Now you're talking about guys that you hope, you know, more so than being great college players, you're talking about guys that you hope can grow into that. And that, you know, Bucky, Bucky said in the first segment, like I'm not in love with this edge rusher class. No, but, 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 you know, some edge rushers are going to get taken in the first round. So, Mm -hmm. and, I know, I know, Kyle, we have a question about the Miami edge rushers, mm-hmm. so we can get to that. But maybe if you're picking at 15, 16, 19, maybe you're talking about a guy like a Gregory Rousseau or Jalen Phillips out of Miami or Carlos Basham. Because, um, I mean, those are those are the types of guys that are available when you're picking there are typically, and not universally, obviously, because you've got CeeDee Lamb, but you have to at least embrace the possibility that you're taking a guy who you're hoping can develop into a better player than what he was in college. I like
1: that a lot. And we're going to get to that Miami question here in a little bit, but I wanted to go to the guy that Brian was talking about in Asante Samuel, 5'10", 184 pounds out of Florida State. I mean, the, the notes that I had on his film was he gets his hand on the football, I mean, he, it seems like he just finds a way to be in the right spot. He's got good movement, Good uh, j- goes to both sides of the formation, and then also nine PBUs in each of the last two seasons, and that was a season this year that he opted out of the final month of the regular season for Florida State. So I, this is a guy who, once again, we, we kind of talk about the, 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 the traits versus the production. He's a production guy, and he's been there, whereas the traits haven't necessarily been there, but it also kind of depends on the type of corner that you're looking at there, Brian.
0: Yeah, this kid, I mean, when you talk, some of these corners are coming in, and Bucky talked about this a couple of shows ago, there's some of these corners that were converted wide receivers, Mm -hmm. and, you know, this this kid, Samuel, he, from the crib to the field, he was born to play (laughs) cornerback, you know, and... You know, his dad was one of the most competitive guys I'd ever... You know, we talk about Antoine Winfield and what he's done and, you know, his son and all that. This kid's got the same kind of makeup as his old man. And and I, the quickness, the footwork, the, the way he gets at, the way he plays with his eyes, the way he doesn't let guys get away from him, the only thing is he's short, he is. He's going to measure 5'10", and I'm sorry, yeah. but, but you watch him play, he's got some special traits to him, and I think that people will ding him because of his, because his height, but if you watch the tape, you'll be impressed by him. You know, I,
2: I, Brian, I think you bring up a couple points. Uh, one, we always talk about in the, in, in the scouting industry, the family business. And sometimes when we talk about bloodlines, is this the family business? Is this what this family does? And so when you talk about Asante Samuel Jr. going from the crib to the field Mm -hmm. and his dad being such a prolific player in terms of the way that he played with instincts and awareness and those things, you wonder, was he able to pass those things down? Uh, Kyle, you pointed out Production and how it matters. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that as we continue to have these conversations about the cornerbacks and others, that we understand the different types of production. If we're going to continue to play a zone scheme where Mike Nolan is putting really an emphasis on turnovers, then we have to check the background and see, does this guy have a long history of getting his hands on the ball yep. and turning it over? Because if not, it's, it's kind of like the Byron Jones conversation. Byron Jones is a terrific man cover guy, but You can't expect guys who always have their back to the ball to also get a bunch of interceptions. Mm -hmm. And so you see PBUs as opposed to interceptions. And so as we kind of narrow the focus in terms of fit and scheme, finding the right corners who have the production that really fits what this scheme wants to bear. So let's uh, let's go from corner to,
1: to edge rusher because I think that's where even in this conversation, Bucky, you're going to see traits versus production. And this is a question from Bluff City Cowboys on Twitter, and uh, they tweeted and said, "Who is the better defensive end from Miami, Greg Russo? Who is I guess throughout the the." the season has been tabbed as a top 15 prospect, but opted out of 2020, which gave way to Jalen Phillips, who had a fantastic 2020 has really shown up here in this season. He, he, at the time and in his question said i personally like phillips a lot more we'll start with dave on this one because you brought it up initially but then we'll go to bucky and brian will close us out on this but i like phillips more as well based off of what i had seen i know jeff cavanaugh would agree with that as well but what do you think about these guys
3: i actually i spent my morning with watching phillips so thank you for the heads up that we were (laughs) going to talk about him uh I, I, I mean, just from the from just from what I saw, and this shouldn't be surprising for, you know, a, a rising college player who's really had one season in the spotlight, I, I didn't see a lot of power, but I was impressed by his speed and his footwork. Um, you know, it, it didn't seem like he got a lot of push if the tackle got his hands on him, but he's got the speed to get around him. He's got the moves to get inside of him. Um, I liked what I saw, and then the big thing for me, which – We've talked about this a few times already this year on the show. I you know, Rousseau hasn't played. Rousseau yep. played last year. He didn't he hasn't put any stuff on tape this season and I I'm tempted to lean toward uh, Phillips just because he's got games on tape that I can look at and say this is what this guy did in October and November and I mean that sounds harsh to Rousseau I suppose but he doesn't have that. So that's kind of where my head's at.
2: Yeah, I think it's a valid point. I will say this about Rousseau, because when you dig in Rousseau's background, Rousseau was a wide receiver who has made the switch to being a defensive end. And he talked about Manny Diaz and those guys laying out a vision for how he was going to develop. And so, a season ago, you saw him get double-digit sacks. You saw him kind of put it together without even really knowing what he's doing. And having a conversation with him earlier, he had talked about learning moves and trying to figure out how to sequence that. Now, to your point, Dave, we haven't seen it Play out in real time So we don't know how much he's improved But I will say In scouting your coaching staff If you have a teacher at that Defensive end That that D-line coach position And he is able to say "Okay, I like what he is, I like the length, I like the speed And explosiveness, and if I can give him A tool or two, he can be a high-end Rusher, I would lean a little more Towards Rousseau because I believe his Athleticism is going to be off the charts When we see him at the combine Mm. Yeah, there's
0: no question about this. And this is a lesson you need to learn. They both wore number 15. Yep. So be careful what tape (laughs) you're trying to dig up because you might be watching. They're both (laughs) 165 and 167, and they kind of look the same on tape. So you got to be careful about that. But, you know, I, I lean towards Phillips. I do understand it talking to some folks down at Miami they do swear by Rousseau I mean they they feel like that, that he has got the best upside of of, of the two and uh, but I, I I tend just watching and, and maybe it's because of you know seeing it this year or seeing it you know live you know or not live but you know currently I just feel like that there's a there's just a, a better I have a better feel for Phillips's game, the way he's able to close, uh, the way he's able to get his hands on blockers, the Mm -hmm. way he's able to control. This guy's got some foot quickness to him. You know, I only saw one play where I felt like that he was in really bad shape and it resulted in a touchdown. But other than that, the guy could change directions. He could get back on plays. You know, he doesn't play like a tall guy. He plays like a guy that's you know, is a is a is a compact guy, but he's got that movement, that quickness to him and stuff. But man, it, it, this 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 is where I struggle. These Miami guys, I struggle. I, these are two, as they say in the scouting world, world. These are two boom or bust mm-hmm. project or mm-hmm. not projects or prospects. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. you could hit big on either one of these guys. Or then it could be a whole nother situation where you're looking at yourself and like, man, the vision we had for those guys doesn't match how they play in the NFL.
1: I love the link from Rousseau. I mean, 6'7", uses his wingspan really well. The one thing about Jalen Phillips, there's a couple things on him actually. One, he struggled with some ankle and wrist injuries in the past that have, that forced him to miss over half of his potential games. Also, not to mention, he almost retired from football with these injury issues before he transferred from UCLA. He ended up going from UCLA to Miami, couldn't play in 2019 because of the eligibility. That's when Rousseau shined. And then when Phillips came in yeah. and Rousseau opted out, it allowed Phillips to shine. So there's that back and forth, really kind of a cool story whenever you talk about the comeback from Phillips, the the, the potential from Gregory Rousseau. I think this is going to be a, a back and forth conversation we're going to have uh, really until draft day, honestly, and maybe even after, depending on where these two guys go. But uh, this is something that I was kind of on early on and, and wanted to get you guys uh, involved with in, in talking about because this is something that I struggled with too, Brian. I don't know uh, which one I like more, and I think it changes every couple of days. But uh, we're going to have to step aside. We're going a little bit long here. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about the early makeup of this class and kind of some more about the trait versus potential uh, aspect of some of the top prospects in the 2021 draft class when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show.
0: We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new
3: combo, that's music to my
0: ears, okay. Let's play. Cream soda and Dr. Pepper time.
4: Pour it in a glass of ice.
0: Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda.
4: A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Varilux for super-sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor.
3: The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like where Turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. May I have a new candle, please. Historically,
1: switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G
3: requires compatible plan may
1: not be in your area. See att.com/5g for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Final couple seconds here of the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Not going to waste any time because I want to try and get this question in there. We're going to save a lot of what we had planned today for the next show with these guys because I really want to kind of give some time to talk about the the measurables and, and how really that kind of plays into finding uh, the perfect kind of draft prospect. These guys could potentially be on as soon as Tuesday, depending on the Cowboys' playoff abilities coming up (laughs) this weekend. So, lots of TBD with the draft show, but before we close things out, Christian asked, compare this upcoming draft class to last year's class. How do they stack up against each other? And it seems like more of a strong offensive class than a defensive class. Brian, what do you think about that?
0: No, he's absolutely right. The question, I mean, every of the top 50 guys that I've watched so far. It's a very offensive-heavy draft. These quarterbacks will, will, are going to anchor this thing, and then you got to figure out these offensive tackles, these receivers. I, I think that you you got a couple of running backs in there. We're talking about questions at defensive end. We're talking about questions at defensive tackle. There's some questions a little bit at safety, corner. I mean, that, it's clearly an offensive draft, at least early, until you figure out these other defensive guys.
2: Yeah, Brian hit a nail on the head. Like, it's very offensive heavy. And I think what we've seen is we are just seeing the trickle-up of all these guys in high school playing offense and kind of going up. And the defensive guys are kind of the the leftovers of the castoffs. And so (laughs) with this draft class, I think we're strong at cornerback. But really, that's really the strongest position because the questions at pass rusher are plenty. Uh, You don't have a dominant defensive tackle that sits at the top of the boards. Linebackers are just kind of meh. And so... I think you you kind of have to load up on your offensive guys and then you have to have a very clear vision for what you want defensively to find the guys that fit that and are drafted at the right place so your expectations aren't out of line with what their ability is.
3: If you it's actually kind of funny like if you just look at the positional breakdown I feel like the strengths at least at the top of this draft look kind of similar to last year like Mm. you're talking about maybe four quarterbacks that go in the first round maybe a fifth but like Mm -hmm. four that you feel pretty confident about a lot of pass catchers that you're excited Mm -hmm. about whether it's Chase Smith we'll throw Kyle Pitts in there because he's basically Mm -hmm. a receiver anyway (laughs) Uh, and then you know If there's a defensive strength in this draft, you know, last year they had Chase Young, which that's a huge difference. But other than that, you would probably say cornerback is the strength defensively. And then you got a a whole bunch of offensive tackles that you feel really good about. Um, I think the talent level last year looks more impressive Mm -hmm. to me right now. But I think a big part of that is also we haven't gotten to see some of the absolute best players from this class play. I mean, how much different would we feel... About this class, if Gregory Rousseau had played a whole season, or uh, you know if Jamar Chase had played, or you know any number of these really talented guys that opted to sit out, I think we'd probably be a little bit more excited if we had 10, 11 games of Caleb Farley tape. So I'm not ready to say that it's drastically worse than last year, but I do think it's funny that you know the the strengths are kind of similar when you just look at it in terms of position. That
1: perception is everything, and right now the perception is off of 2019 tape for a lot of these top prospects, and 2020 is still kind of up in the air. That's a really good point, Dave, and I think that's something we might have to bring back up in a different edition of the show. But that is going to do it for us today here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Thanks to everybody tuning in. Whether you're listening live or you're listening on the podcast app, be sure to join these guys either Next Tuesday or two Tuesdays from now? It'll be interesting to see, depending on the Cowboys making the playoffs. Because if the Cowboys do not make the playoffs or they are eliminated, we'll have two draft shows starting next week. This group will be on Tuesdays. Then KT, Jeff Cavanaugh, and Dame Brugler will be on Thursday. Lots of fun still to be had as there's 120 days till the NFL draft. But for Chris Beam, for Brian Bradis, for Bucky Brooks, and David Hellman, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Thanks for listening to the Dallas Cowboys.